you're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. On another exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we continue our coverage of Young Justice Phantoms, that's Young Justice Season 4, the 19th episode, Encounter Upon the Razor's Edge. We're going to get right into that after some ads we have no say over whatsoever. Why do Earth podcasts have so many ad breaks? You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. I am J. Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined by the Animation Deliberation Trio. With me, I've got Zuhair Ali. Hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> and we are joined as well by Andrew Rogers. It's uh, great to have both of you here, and I'm glad that we finally have the three of us convened for an episode of Young Justice Phantoms with the, the back half. It's, it seems like it's been a while since that's happened. Well, you know, not every day that you get to audition for the Justice League Reserves here. I had to take the opportunity where I could. <laughs> of course, of course. Cannot blame you there. Cannot blame you there. Zuhair got to hang out with Zatanna, though, so I'm a little jealous. I know, but that wasn't very flattering <laughs> with all the um, the the helmet of fate allergies, which thankfully some of the rain in Virginia pressed out. Also, I can breathe through my nose again. I might sound a little more flattering this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't I don't know if if I continue to be as consistent as I have been with the coverage here, or maybe I'll be whisked away to the Lantern Corps. I don't know. Blue Lantern sounds pretty pretty nice right about now, but no, I'm, I'm happy uh, to be. Are here. you hopeful for that? Ooh. I might be a little angry if that <laughs> happened. I won't rage quit the co- the podcast. I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, just up top, I did want to acknowledge the fact that we got a lot of feedback this week. Uh, TJ, we saw your feedback that you submitted. Uh, Fabian, we saw your feedback as well. So we are planning on actually doing a news and feedback episode later this week. So uh, this is kind of our call to action to everybody out there. If you've got Demon Slayer feedback you want to submit, if you listen to our 75th episode in which we had a uh, lead animator from Renegade Animation, uh, lead animation editor, Michael D'Ambrosio, please let us know uh, what your feedback is there. And then there was a, a little trailer that dropped today. Yeah. The uh, trailer. Chris Evans sounds amazing. This trailer looks awesome. We have more of a plot. I'm not going to say anything in case you guys don't want to watch the trailer or know anymore. I'm officially not watching any more trailers from here on out, but we have a plot. We have a story. I, um, this is arguably my most anticipated movie of 2022, like of everything, not even just animation. I'm very excited for it. Well, uh, with the news that we also got that we'll talk about with some delays going on, Lightyear has seriously jumped up for me <laughs> as well. I figured that might be the case. I was going to say it might 
Lightyear might be the most anticipated for the three of us now with that <laughs> delay, but we will save the details for that for that uh, feedback and news episode that we mentioned. So in regards to feedback, there is one very important piece of feedback that we are actually going to address on this episode. So uh, thanks to Eric Kapaz for educating me and enlightening me. And uh, let's take a look at that piece of feedback, please. All right. I know that you gave me how it's pronounced, but I'm still not sure if it's Kapaz or Kapaz. So if I pronounce it wrong, please forgive me. And uh, hopefully it'll educate me more. Hmm. So the email that we got from Eric, this is meant to be educational. So feel free to share on the cast, but do not feel obligated to do so. <laughs> we will. In your last cast, when you were talking about Rocket's son and his autism, you said a few things that, while well-meaning, could be constructed as insensitive. I should say that I am not on the autism spectrum, but I have friends and family members who are. First, you said that he was suffering from autism. While a person may suffer from an illness, it is incorrect to say that someone suffers from autism just as they are autistic or on the autism spectrum. The other thing you said that Orion, if being depicted as someone on the autism spectrum, appeared to be high-functioning while Rocket's son was not. The terms high-functioning and low-functioning are outdated and no longer used as they cannot fully express an individual who is autistic. Again, I cannot speak for all people on the autism spectrum as to how they identify themselves, but this is what I have been able to gather from my experiences with friends and family on the spectrum. I hope you found this educational. Keep up the great work. I look forward to finishing out the season of Young Justice with you, Erica Pass. Yeah, I think that was incredibly educational. I'm glad that you sent that feedback in, Eric. Um, I feel like I was particularly at fault when it comes to those um, slights that you mentioned. I And I appreciate the fact that you acknowledged the fact that it was all well-meaning. I definitely don't intend to offend anybody. That's not my my goal. And if I wasn't sensitive, I apologize for that. I am a human being, very capable of mistakes and capable of learning as well. So I am grateful for the learning opportunity. I acknowledged on that episode that um, autism is not something I have a ton of experience with. So thank you for sharing your knowledge and your experience and helping me to grow as a person and as a podcaster so that I can, you know, speak a little more eloquently going forward when it comes to uh, both Orion and Amistad, Rocket's son. So so I actually have a funny story of something that happened like the day after we got this oh, yeah? email. I was photographing a property uh, and I was talking to the mother of an autistic child. So I was like, ooh, perfect time to get educated. Mm. So I was, you know, asking questions and stuff. And, and one of the, so, you know, they were talking about like how she's, um, well, I don't want to use the term high functioning now, but like she is very active. Mm. And she has hobbies and she's very like into the hobbies. And at one point, like they actually set up a recording studio for her because she wanted to do like oh, yeah. uh, audio recording so stuff. Cool. And her setup was so much nicer <laughs> than ours. Oh, my God. It was really cool. Like I'm just standing there looking at it. I was like, man, this kid's got it good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, you know, it was awesome hearing about like how she, you know, operates as an eight-year-old and what the family dynamic was like and what the school is like and just how incredibly smart she is and and it, it gave perspective you know comparing that to how my cousin mm. operates and just it really is a diverse thing they call it a spectrum for a reason and sure everybody uh does live with it differently but it you know <laughs> these kids are just really cool yeah that's awesome and i wanted to say since i wasn't here last week you guys did a very good job of just kind of saying this whole season has been very informative, very learning, and just very good at 
helping us learn all of these things. So even if we don't know them, we have to thank both the show and all of you as listeners for helping us kind of get through this. We're trying our best. We have experience with some things and not with others. So it's been an awesome opportunity to get to learn this, whether I'm on the episode or not, I'm still learning a lot too. So thank you guys for kind of putting that best foot forward with us. We're trying our best as you can kind of tell. Ah, that's where, how how do we, how do we go anywhere from here? I don't, I think the episode just peaked with the, like the feels that I'm feeling right now. And it's so, so heartwarming, but uh, (laughs) let's talk about superheroes punching (laughs) each other. I mean, I love this episode. I'm ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, if you love this episode, I do want to, you know, start off with my favorite segment. Now that Suhair is free of phlegm and able to hit those higher octaves (laughs) (laughs) on a scale of yeah to yeah. Where are you gentlemen landing on this week's episode? Andrew, would you like to go first? Sure. I'll give it a yeah. I'm I'm pretty high up on it. I don't know what it was. I had the feeling of being a kid again this week of just Mm. watching my favorite superheroes. We're getting all this story. I was super into it. Like my eyes barely left the screen to take notes. And I usually take a lot of notes when we're watching Young Mm. Justice. I just absolutely loved it. Part of it is I think the Green Lantern are some of the most underrepresented heroes in DC that just have an awesome power set. So I'm ready to see more of all of this across the board. And, you know, how can you not love Forager 30,000 times? <laughs> oh, my God, that gift or that <laughs> meme that you sent me today. Did I send it to you? Wasn't that the one I posted uh, on the Instagram story? Oh, no, you did. post. It was a story. It was a story. Check out Animation Deliberation story. I'll repost it for the next couple days so that everyone can keep track <laughs> of this. It was it was some good work. I pride myself in this one. Oh, my God. Well, while I'm looking up this Instagram post Zuhair, where are you ranking on the scale of yeah to yeah this week all right i'm gonna put myself a little lower than both of y'all with a yeah okay and i will take my my negative out of the way and it's not even a negative towards the show it's a negative of like how i consume content it's more mm-hmm. this, this, it's not it's not you it's me young mm. <laughs> um my my issue is that like they while I loved how they did it, they tied in a lot of stuff from this season and like I just couldn't track everything at once. It was mm. one of those things where it's like I regretted not watching, you know, the first part again before part two came out. Okay. Because it was like, okay, this happened then and that happened at this point and like, I'm glad they didn't do an Attack on Titan style where it was back and forth, back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth. But at the same time, it was like the whole episode just had so much, like, tying stuff together. And, like, I just, I went full anxiety on trying to put it together <laughs> and I couldn't do it. And I need to watch it, like, three more times to fully understand the timeline of these things. Yeah. that's That was later, like, my only negative. And it, it, it did kind of stir me up a little bit. That's why it was like, eh, just, just. Just focus on the lantern. I can't keep up with all this. No, I, I I think that's fair. This episode did give us a lot of answers. And normally I can narrow down like the various plot lines to maybe like two or three. There's usually like an A plot, a B plot and a C plot. But I feel like this week there was like four plot lines. We had the very exposition heavy like bookends with, you know, our Legion of Superheroes, Saturn Girl and Chameleon Boy basically spelling everything out for Bart Allen 
And on the same token, Lorzad was doing the same thing for Ma'al, Falek, and Mantis. And then right there in the middle, we had the continuation of Rocket's story. But then, yeah, they just throw in this Green Lantern story for us with this character that I had no exposure to whatsoever. And with that in mind, TJ, I, I did see your feedback. You did answer a lot of questions for me. I found it very educational, but we will get into the nitty gritty of that when we do our feedback episode next week. But we did get Kilowog, and I was very happy because he's one of the best Green Lanterns there is. Yeah, for sure. He is so voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Yes, I was going to actually give him the accolades. He he always brings oh, a yeah. good performance, and this is just one of the great, just the doofy, fun big guy that you can't not love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, since you mentioned that, I guess I can just throw in the whole trivia fact that I had today. Uh, the other person that was reprising his role from the Green Lantern animated series was Jason Spizak as Razor. Ah, okay. Interesting. So it was a it was a double recurrence. Yeah. Well, since we're, you know, getting all that out of the way, let's just talk about that story in particular, first and foremost Yay. here. I did not know a thing about the character of Razor. And going through the episode, I didn't know how to feel about him at first, but by the time we came away, I absolutely love the character and I want to see more. The fact that a blue lantern and red lantern are coexisting together in one person is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. The fact that rage and hope can be combined to be so powerful just really, really spoke to me. And I, I was just super satisfied with where the, the story concluded. There was one point where, you know, he had explained this journey of being a red lantern and giving up the red red ring to take on the blue ring, but he did not want the red ring to go to someone else. So he met up with Metron to have Metron keep it in safekeeping basically. And when Metron was kind of like telling him what his scheme was the entire time, I was like, Oh, this is so tropey. This is the villain giving away his master plot and whatnot. But when it became revealed that he was trying to get him angry, I was like, yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> now way too uh, yeah, smart just, for something like that. Right. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. Metro doesn't care about collateral damage at all. It's just like, it's all about the science for him. And he's such a douche. <laughs> Every time we've seen him, it's like, yeah. you are just effing with people's lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, he's like, he's like sadistic Sheldon. <laughs> oh, no. It, it also feels like it's only going to get worse because he has got to oh, right. stick around for the rest of what's going to happen this season. So. Yeah, which character was it when they said Metron was involved and they were just like, oh, say no more. That makes sense. Uh, Orion. Oh, was it Orion? Yeah, it was Orion. Okay. Yeah. Because I guess Metron is on Super City or whatever. I think he off. is Super a new god, like, isn't he? He is a new god, yes. Yeah. 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 No, but also with the whole Lorzad storyline, he's probably going to keep playing a part in that. Because did they not say he had the one piece of tech that they need? That like that's why Lorzad and all of them are arriving on New Genesis. He's got the Phantom Zone projector, yes. I believe it was called. Yes, yeah. So yeah, he's he's definitely going to be a factor. And the Sheldon comparison is hilarious. But I was thinking that he's kind of like the DC Universe's collector, where he's not necessarily yeah. super evil. He's not he's not good. He's just likes to collect and learn and preserve knowledge to a like cold and calculating degree. The collector's a bit more eclectic, whereas this is much, much more scientific. Although we did see in that what if episode, what would happen if the collector could go buck wild. So true. That felt very similar to what this character of Metron is. 
Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, it's a great call out. Um, I do have to say, being a photographer and into color theory and stuff, as soon as that blue ring started going towards him, I just yelled, purple! <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew that there was a purple core because um, of Justice League Doom. Uh, one of the girls has, like, a purple ring and all that. So it's like, I, I quickly, like, corrected myself. But at the same time, it's like, you better do something good with this because I know blue and red makes purple. <laughs> do you happen to know what purple is? That was my question as well, yeah. Because I was writing them down as we went. That we had blue is hope, I know from personal experience, yellow is fear, red is anger, right. and green is willpower. Correct. Um, while you're looking that up, I must say, felt like that was a little bit of a nod of something to come of, you're going to collect all the rings at some point and be a rainbow lantern. Are we going to see this character come back and kind of turn into the Thanos of the lantern core and just start collecting the rings? Oh, or any okay. character for that matter I, I just feel like it would be an interesting thing to see and for them to throw that at us feels very hey maybe this is coming maybe this is the next school bus okay okay I'm glad your mind went to Thanos because my mind went to Captain Planet <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely thought that there was a uh, a white lantern I believe there is or, uh, unless that's like an Elseworlds, Elseworlds story or something like that. Hal Jordan was a White Lantern at some point in time. Okay. And there are Black Lanterns as well, if I'm not mistaken. And I think uh, like the death version of of Flash. What was it? Uh, I'm I'm getting confused here, but there was that character that was basically like the Death Racer or something like that. He was. I, I'm not sure. That's outside of my repertoire. I do have all of the colors here in front of me. If we want them okay, rattled cool. off. Sure. Yeah, I have them too. I just wasn't. Go ahead, Zuhair. I don't want to steal your thunder. I'm like wondering if it was. <laughs> oh, so the one that was in Justice League Doom was Carol Ferris. So I guess it was a sapphire ring. Hmm. And not a... because they have a sapphire one and an indigo one. There's no like purple one, but it looked purple in that movie. Um. It could be either because Ferris is also Hal Jordan's girlfriend usually in most of them. That's why he's at the Ferris heir is he's dating mm -hmm. the daughter of the owner or the owner, depending on the storyline. So it could be some sort of pink, purple, whatever those are. Mm. The truest form of love was actually a parasite that fed off intense feelings of love. <laughs> the core is all female. Interesting. Which makes sense, because it was like a whole breakup story and all that. And um, Carol Ferris has actually been in Young Justice a couple of times, too, especially with the uh, oh she has. The rocket takeoff when, right. um, when Calder killed Artemis. So many tie-ins. I will say, mm. I think that was part of why I love this episode, is as most of our listeners will know that are long time, I very much like to keep track of the storylines, where things are going, what kind of theory I could put together, especially when you get timelines like this. So them doing yeah. the slow unraveling of why the Legion was there and what was going on was just icing on the cake for me of like, yes, okay, I was right here, but I was wrong here. Where's this going to go? What's going to happen next? So th there was a lot yeah. of that fun for me. And I have to wonder if that's why I was so dug in on this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It, they definitely did a great job of like balancing everything in terms of being so exposition heavy. But yeah, I, I found myself basically sitting at the edge of my seat, just like, yeah, same as you, Andrew, we had all this speculation the entire time. Like, what exactly is this Legion's mission? Why did they have to keep themselves 
secret? When was the first time we saw them? And it turns out it was there at the UN when Lorzod made that first attempt on Superboy's life there. But yeah, the the fact that we get all that information about what Zod did once he was released from the Phantom Zone, that he went to this planet, Daxum, and took these Daxamites with them and then basically started like a new revolution. It was really gripping stuff. And the fact that we knew Superboy was important, but the fact that he was the sole inspiration for the Legion even forming just gives me a whole new respect for him because like we've always kind of put Superman up on this pedestal of being like the predominant like DC hero, but it really seems like in this world of young justice, he has got, he has gone on to supersede Superman in that regard. And they were basically just looking at Superman as a substitute. He wasn't even really able to do it. Yeah. The reason that it's, I don't want to say difficult to process, but underappreciated, I guess is because like, even in this world, Superman has always been the public figure of hope. Right. Whereas once Superboy like calmed down a little bit and matured a little bit, like he mm. kept to himself and kept to the team as much as he could. Sure. It wasn't until what was it, the end of last season where he spoke out against uh, Lex Luthor and told them about like where he came from and all that stuff. So it's like, right. yes, we're seeing it's just amazing the level of character development that he's gotten. But that was like his first public outreach program and like now we're like seeing the effects of like how it's developed over 10 years without actually having to go that far right and you saying it's 10 years also kind of brings up that well how much further down the line is superboy going to create the legion because superman Mm -hmm. may have finally said i can kick my feet up and retire because connor has it all under control like he might still be you know powered but he might just have finally stepped back and said i'm gonna raise my kid and spend some time with lois well Connor takes over so that very well could be the reason that he trusts him to rise to fate or rise to be that uh, you know symbol of hope all all might style there oh nice yeah saving people with a smile and we know that he doesn't age like physically but do you think he was still around like thousands of years afterwards because they showed that like monument erected to his honor when they were talking about him inspiring the legion but somebody said something about him being the one that actually founded it I wonder what his longevity could possibly be thousands of years seems like a stretch he probably ages slower like quicker than superman would since he's yeah he's still half human i mean do we know that superman also no superman ages because he comes to earth as a baby and goes as a regular boy so it could just be the whole joke that he was born at 18 so he was five months old while he was 18 kind of thing okay he still probably ages normally i would guess I thought somewhere in the earlier seasons, they kind of like poked fun at the fact that like he was a 16 year old physically still like while we saw the other characters like start to grow and mature. He was still like 16 physically because they they sped up his growth in the tube. Mm, Okay, okay. As a clone. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, we kind of talked about the Legion side of things. And were there any like big takeaways from Maafalek and Lorzod's conversations for you guys. The fact that he's Kryptonian is really cool. Oh yeah, I didn't know his background. I didn't ask you guys either because I yeah. just didn't want to know. Yeah. Like I knew the Phantom Zone sounded familiar, but I didn't look it up in any ways. And then like when he said that he was Kryptonian, that his parents were trapped in there mm. while pregnant with him. By the way, that's insane. Right. Yeah. Um. Then I remembered, you know, Supergirl and Man of Steel and 
both of the Phantom Zone incorporations for that. I was like, oh, now I get what this is. Mm. I was still very confused while everything was going on, but that part made sense to me. And I thought that was really cool that it's like, man, you were stuck as a baby for like a thousand years in the Phantom Zone, finally made it out, were finally born, but then you were born under a red sun, so then you couldn't do anything, and then your mm. family like finally took it to a yellow. Like, no wonder he's so bitter. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that. And it was <clears throat> the biggest part of the conversations that I took away was mostly that they don't appear to know that Superboy is in the Phantom Zone. They right. very clearly have this rescue mission for his father, but there isn't a, oh, yeah, we're going to go get Superboy as well. It's just a we need to go get. You know, General Zod, I, I can't remember what his prefix is. Drew, 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 Zod. Drew Zod, thank you. Yeah, we need to go get Drew Zod. What's going to happen? Are they going to be all buddy buddy when they come out of the Phantom Zone? Because it didn't seem, at least at first, that it was an aggressive meeting uh, in that last episode. But who knows where that could go? And also, just to tag on, I looked it up on the wiki quick. J. Scotty, you were correct. He apparently does not visibly age. So Superboy will okay. look like that forever. And okay. I, I apologize for overcorrecting. No, 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 no problem at all. Again. Yeah. <laughs> he said good from again <laughs> she also probably doesn't visibly age because she's what like 43 billion good for everyone that ships them <laughs> they said she was like 48 earth years old and i want to say in like the first or second season so earth years mars yeah. years yeah it'll work it out. gets a little wishy-washy they look fantastic <laughs> that um, they do what did papa zod do to be put in the phantom zone uh, originally, he had a coup d'etat on Krypton. That's why he was put in the Phantom okay. Zone in the first place. Yeah. That's so ironic. This might be getting a little into the comic and prior movie knowledge. He probably does know, maybe not Superman, but at least the symbol that they both wear, because most of the time, isn't that like the symbol of the L family is that big S on the chest? Yep. That's what the son was talking about for a bit. It's not an S. It's a river. It's not an S. A river of hope. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I was just being funny. That was a, a line from, uh, I believe Man it was just, was it Man of good. Steel originally? And then they definitely used it in the uh, Joss Whedon cut of <laughs> of uh, Justice League. But the less we say about that, the better. <laughs> I don't want to overlook Rocket, though. It felt like, you know, coming off of oh, yeah, last it was week, about her. Yeah, last week's episode, she definitely played a larger role, but there wasn't too, too much this episode. She obviously had the delegations going with the new gods as well as the Green Lantern Corps and the Green Lantern Corps are pretty dismissive. They're, they're acting as like a third party intermediary and they're like, yeah, these metahumans are still being like kidnapped from your planet and your petition is noted is about all they said. There's like, there's this truce between New Genesis and Apocalypse, and we don't want to throw that off, even though we know that Apocalypse has definitely already started their end of betraying that truce just very, very secretively so far. Yeah, and I mean, that's the one thing about the Green Lantern Corps is they are essentially like the watchers of this mm -hmm. universe that they like to just see it all kind of play out and all right we need to help over here when it's really really right. time and that's it and that, that's kind of the worst part of them but also makes a, for an interesting story a lot of the time is that back and forth mm. but yeah that, that was a little weird and it's funny that they sent rocket and not one of the three earth green lanterns that they went through the trouble of pointing out hey why aren't they yeah. here and didn't give us a good explanation i love that whole interaction where orion was just like 
why does Earth have so many lanterns? It's just like uh, Killorg was like, uh, well, you know, uh, the the conditions on Earth are very conducive to producing likely candidates. <laughs> but are we really telling me all three of those Green Lanterns are the best candidates? Yeah. Well, it says what they say the the Rings AI chooses the the wielder yeah are we talking about candidates as far as delegates go no candidates uh by the rings but now that you say that that brings up a point that i kind of glossed over the fact that they were saying ai like comparable to computer artificial intelligence like the way that we would say yeah we just program these rings they understand Mm. what willpower is and then they just go to it that's Mm. not how i would expect them to so simply explain intergalactic emotion magic Right. <laughs> so I thought the same thing and shook it off when they were talking about intergalactic trafficking and he said that we have bigger problems to deal with on a regular basis. I was like that's when I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense that you can make technology based off emotions and you have problems bigger than humans being converted to metahumans and being flipped around the galaxy and oh, yeah. You have a lot on your plate. Good luck with you all. It's like yeah. I hate to keep comparing to the MCU, but it's just always so poignant. No, you don't. I do, <laughs> because I love DC, and I don't want to just be like, oh, this is that. Um, it's that whole line from Infinity War, when they ask Carol, hey, where were you this whole time while we were doing this fight? She said, right. you know, the rest of the galaxy has problems. They don't have you superheroes. This is a very similar situation of Earth thinking, oh, we're special. Our people are leaving. Well, guess what? There's an entire universe out there where they literally have a dozen ring colors that are all more powerful than the green lanterns that they also have to worry if they're gonna fight them plus dark side plus apocalypse plus who knows what else is hiding out there that we haven't even gotten into yet yeah of course that's a great point i don't want to take away from your point at all but i know someone's probably screaming into their phone right now that was an in-game not infinity war oh thank you thank you yeah yeah of course course. (laughs) Um, but I thought you were about to have this big like DC counter argument. I didn't realize it was the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I do want to bring it back to Rocket, though. So obviously the negotiations did not go the way that she wanted, and it puts her in a this position of where she thinks she's failing. And you know that's that's arguable. Maybe she is failing. Maybe she should have. I'm, I'm hesitant to be too critical against her, but you know maybe she could have done a better job in those negotiations. But anyway, she gets this call from her baby daddy noble in which he has taken amistad to see a specialist and it sounds like amistad's going to get unique and special attention in the classroom and her reaction is is not positive at all we we kind of saw some of her hesitations in the previous episode in terms of being fearful that amistad would become stigmatized in any way and i don't know if you guys have any any thoughts on that one it was just kind of disappointing to see Rocket. I mean, I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn more about her and see what she's struggling with, but it's kind of seems like she's failing on both fronts at this point in time as a mother and as a intergalactic delegate. So hopefully she's got her redemption coming just around the corner. Jay Garrick was not there to give her a, a, a pep talk this time around. He was very much relegated to a background character. He probably had the sugar crash from his birthday. <laughs> Yeah, and I would hate to use the word failing so much because Mm. she is just in such a delicate situation of unsure what to do 
And, you know, I just took a look to see whether or not she was actually married to Noble. And no, apparently uh, this was her boyfriend and they were actually together and had the baby at 16. So I don't know how old Rocket is at that this point. She can't be more than her early 20s. So coming from my own perspective of being someone in the early 20s, I could not imagine having a baby, let alone knowing how to kind of jump through these hoops and figuring it all out. She's just got so much on her plate also being a Justice League member on a total other planet. Like we just talked about the universe being bigger than Earth. It's it's honestly unfathomable. And I, I did have one thing to say actually on last week's cast. I was thinking this while yeah. we were talking. Uh or while you guys were talking rather. There was that scene of her on the train. I loved mm-hmm. her moment of she specifically did not, you know, overly defend Amistad. She did not like look at this old lady and be like, I'm sorry, there's something about him that's different. She instead looked at the old lady and said, look, I'm trying to parent my kid. Please just let me do that. I did love that she's trying her best to be a parent. She's just at this point, obviously very lost. And I I do agree. I hope that she will get that redemption. And I think it's going to happen in some capacity. But I did just kind of want to bring into the conversation. Holy crap, is she young? to be dealing with any of this, let alone all of it at the same time. Yeah, you're right. Failing is probably the wrong word there. And I'm probably holding her to too high of a standard. And I, if I was in that situation, I would, I'd probably break down and, and cry and be a puddle. So <laughs> kudos to her for handling it as well as she is like, yeah, I did not know that she was that young when all of that took place. So just, and at any rate, I am delighted for the opportunity to learn more about her. So she was born in 95. That makes her twenty six. Do we do we know what year the show is actually taking place in? I mean, her page says birth year ninety five. No, I meant like, is it happening in twenty twenty two, or is it happening in twenty seventy two? Like, I mean, obviously not. But yeah, the one that, actually, yeah. Um, so we always have those date and location placards that we never pay enough yeah, attention Mountain- to. Mountain Hive is August 26, 2020. Okay, so we're two years behind two real years time. Behind. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Now I'm just trying to like see if she was actually like 16 when she had her kid. Like, Yeah. Because yeah. like, does that mean that she was pregnant when she joined the team? The team, maybe not, but the Justice League, certainly. Well, she would have joined. So if this is 2020, she would have joined the team the first time. And what would that have been? 2010. So she would have been 15. So that may have actually been why we didn't really see her in those first couple seasons. Sure. Because she was kind of a later addition that was just kind of thrown into the mix. She was helping the Justice League fight off Poison Ivy's plant. So that was the Injustice League. Training simulation with Zatanna, Red Arrow, Garth, and Tula. Against invading is that Icon's death. Oh yeah, I guess Icon is dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, school bus off the edge of a bridge. Yeah, there's like a lot of stuff from season one and two in here. I did. I had no idea Icon was dead. I think he was in the, like the, the, the little hologram memorial. Oh, was he? Okay, I just didn't pick up on that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's not unlike Young Justice to kind of fill in the gaps after afterwards, just kind of like set everything up and then let you know what's going on. And I imagine that's what they'll be doing the same for some of the storylines that were introduced in terms of our Green Lantern characters, especially 
Razor, I'm thinking. I, I could see a scenario where it's just a bottle episode and he doesn't come up again, but I have to imagine they're going to... Well, they definitely set up something. I, I didn't write it down, yeah. so forgive me. There was that mention of... I won't forget you or I'm I'll find you someday. And then it sounded like a woman's name. I want to say it was Aya. That sounds correct. Uh, again, forgive me listeners for not having that off the top, but that feels very much like he will be back in some capacity, hopefully with more rings. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. Um, okay. Well, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about rocket, but uh, as we're kind of gearing towards the end here, I, I wanted to make a couple of call outs uh, we were talking about Lorzad and the fact that he was Kryptonian. And I just, one of the the moments that just kind of equally entertained me and frightened me is when he was basically talking about how he came to the discovery that Superboy was both from the house of L as well as a legionnaire. Both of those in combination made him like his ultimate in- enemy. And then his eyes started to glow red and just kind of the, the look of like nervous fear on both Malphalek and Mantis's faces. Like I just started thinking about, wow, the potential for action there, seeing Superboy actually go up against a Kryptonian that's not holding back in any way. Like that's just going to be epic and awesome. Ooh. And then Orion had a couple of like really funny lines to me. In addition to the green lantern, like questioning, why are there three green lanterns on earth? When uh, Razor had gone through Supertown and and broken down like the statue that fell on the female forager when he when he put it back together and he had the two bugs there and Orion was just like that is not how that was <laughs> and I think it's uh, was a Viking that was just like but it'll it'll work it'll suffice it's good <laughs> like, it's all good it's all good we'll appease it, the bugs right he now. says that again after um after Jay Garrick's super long happy birthday song blow out the candles oh, yeah yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, that's not the one that I thought you were going to bring up. There was another funny oh, yeah. quote from a razor there in the middle. Okay, uh, we got to make more of Marvel comparisons because we can't not. Uh, when he wanted to take the ring back, and Metron was trying to make him angry, he just looked at him and said, "You won't like me when you're angry." Uh, yes. Oh yeah. Yes. A pretty notable <laughs> line from another famous character there. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, we also bring up that post credit scene and I had to look this up because it was bothering me immensely. The female mm. forager. I took yes. a look into her voice actor because she sounded very familiar. She was not doing a bad job, but very familiar. Mm. And the name of the character is Nika Futterman, I believe is how it would be pronounced. And she has a laundry list of accolades. She does a ton of different things, including uh, Asajj Ventress in the star Wars, the clone Wars series. Nice. But most notably, the one that stuck out in my head that was like, this is the other character that sounds exactly like the female forager was, uh, I, forgive me for this, Shia Laquane in the beginning of the Bad Batch series when they go to that planet with all of the, I believe it's the Twi'lex and the one clone, the child oh, daughter. Right. That, would, that would be Ryloth. Ryloth, thank you. Uh, the child mm-hmm. daughter of that clone is the same voice actress. So she has that very childlike, I don't want to say whining sounding voice, but it's got that high pitched little giggle to it that I was like, I have to place this somewhere. And I sure enough went back and watched a clip and it's just dead. The same voice actress. It's, it's kind of just a nice note. We like to bring these things up as they happen, but I didn't know if anyone else was thinking to themselves, this is specific. I need to know where this is from. There you go. Okay. And I'll have to, 
correct myself on my correction there. I thought at first I thought you were talking about the planet that the Twi'leks were from, where they all had like French ac- accents. No, that was right yes, off. I cannot right. recall the name of the planet that you were talking about. Had uh, I want to say Cutter Saluka was the name of the clone. Is the name of the uh, let's see fung fung fungal planet. Yeah, yeah it's Cut. Cut and Sue were the parents on the planet of Salukamai. Okay, Cut and Sue. That's right. Okay. Okay. Uh, It's been a while since we've gotten some Star Wars. I got all my Googling together, too, while we're on these facts. Yeah, what you got? Hit us with it. All right. So on December 1st of 2015 at Mountain Justice, before heading to the first meeting, Rocket and Zatanna stopped by the cave to wish Nightwing a happy birthday. I don't remember this part. Rocket gave him a more modest kiss in Zatanna before they left. Bumblebee insisted she showed the latest pictures of Amistad. Oh, okay. That could have been in the companion comics because I do know they have the comics that extend upon that first season specifically. Mm. Oh, they made it seem like this was part of the show. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because I just didn't pay attention to Rocket that much. And the other one, <laughs> I'm an idiot. When um, I was going through the colors, I was looking at the paragraphs. I didn't realize each one had a heading just straight up saying what the ring does. Uh, so <laughs> green ring is fueled by fuel by willpower. Yellow ring is all about fear. The blue power ring hopes it can help others. The red power ring makes you pissed off 24-7. The orange power ring wants you to want everything. The star sapphire ring needs to save all the love. The indigo power ring spreads compassion. Hmm. The black power ring is nightmare fuel. And the white power ring is life. So is that like life and death for the white and the black on each end there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds like it. And with that in mind, and on the subject of the spectrum of lanterns um, and Googling things. I did, I had to look up the black racer that I was referring to. And he, the black racer is the death of the new gods. The black racer is the deity and avatar of death in the DC universe. So uh, anybody familiar with the flash series on the CW, the character spoilers for that, it was early, early season stuff like season two, season three, the character of zoom kind of went on to become that that character the black oh, racer so cool. yeah. yeah i kind of forgot about that yeah and he started like chasing the people who like destroyed the timeline i was exactly. like oh my god like right. <laughs> that's what i wanted cw to have a bigger budget now I just, yeah. <laughs> it, it goes back to what you said last week suhair this show is awesome just trusting the audience to either google this stuff figure this stuff out have pre- previous knowledge with it they're not going to explain it so we get to figure it out and it's so much fun yeah it's all great for sure for sure all right well we are getting towards the end of this episode so i will take this opportunity to thank our listeners again Uh, i will remind you if you'd like to give us a rating a review those are the best ways to show us some love and increase our visibility share us with your friends that are passionate about animated content as well and i'd like to plug that episode that we did last week for our 75th episode we had animation editor for renegade animation michael d'ambrosio and that was an epic and really fun conversation where we really got to pick his brain uh, do you gentlemen have anything you want to let the people know about uh yeah as always uh follow us on instagram animation deliberation uh that's where i kind of put up all of our marketing any of the things that's a great way to share things with your friends i've been trying to up the game i'm kind of proud of how the actual interview post came out so if you want to take that that's a good way to send that along and say hey listen to this we get pretty in depth on what uh animation editing actually is it's a pretty cool episode when it comes down to it and i also want to shout out one of our listeners on instagram they left a little bit of feedback on one of our last posts they just kind of threw in the comments there 
And it didn't really come up that we had a great time to talk about it because it was just kind of naturally weaved into the episode. But last week, I wanted to shout out Kyron Riles. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. They were just talking about how Orion is Darkseid's son and his mom is technically a new god. Kind of going off of your speculation last week, answering the question of, oh, what is his parentage? He had that answer ready for us in the comments. And I was kind of like, oh, that's super cool. And then we got more confirmation this episode. So thank you for doing that. I just wanted to kind of give the shout out that we did see you there. There just wasn't a huge time to read that off because we kind of pass through that in the the <clears throat> forgive me the meeting there because there were so many things going on in that summit oh for sure yeah and i think some of the feedback we'll be discussing on the feedback episode will go into further detail there for sure yeah so we got a lot of feedback and to add on to it uh we do have a new trailer for Lightyear. we have a teaser trailer for demon slayer we have news on spider-verse and obviously with our interview, any of that stuff, if you have reactions, um, thoughts, speculations, uh, it's Thursday as we're recording this. If you have time over the weekend and want to send us a couple emails at animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com, we would love to chat about it. And also, I'm not going to say too much, but we could potentially be having more interviews in the pipeline. So, you know, keep keep chatting with us so that if you have questions, we can pass them along. More details to come. Do not tease the dog of war. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay well. Until next time, muscle, muscle. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Strandependent Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Strandapanda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard to recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things. With a program that complements your regular recycling. Can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was. Hard to recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.